Hi, my name is Bethany Lewis. Thank you for spending this time with me. I'm a life coach that loves to be inspired, and I'm using these classes as a way to share some of the inspiration that has come my way. I hope it's as inspiring for you as it has been for me. I also want to let you know that coaching with me is an option. If you feel like coaching could be helpful for you, but are not sure you can afford it, please jump on my waitlist. I'm reserving two to three spots every week for free coaching for those who can't pay for whatever reason. I will rotate through the list, and when your name comes up, we'll schedule a time. If you want to be coached sooner than later or have regularly scheduled sessions, please book a session with me. You can contact me through my website, which is www.lifeinspiredcoach.com. While there, check out the testimonials of people that have been coached by me. I love coaching so much and would honestly love to be your coach. Please do hit me up. Now, on to class. Enjoy. Okay, so the topic is divine paradoxes. And I know that's kind of a strange term. I haven't heard it used, really. I just kind of made it up, although I don't think I fully made it up. It's, it's a phrase. And I'm wondering if, like, what comes up for you guys when you hear that? What, what would you guess that I mean by it? interested in hearing people's thoughts. Okay, so I love the title. You got me with the title. Yes. I love paradox. So the Tao Te Ching is just a book of paradoxes because Mm. I think it's a way of teaching us to think and to question is to look at things paradoxically. So the Tao Te Ching always says things like, if you want to know, know nothing. (laughs) If you want to drink, don't drink. You know, it's that kind of thing. And then when I was getting my master's, I had, um, I was assigned a paper to write on paradox and I tried to write it in a paradoxical way, very tricky and very uh, um, fun, but I love paradox because nothing is truly as it seems initially. And so many things are the opposite of what we initially think they are. Yes. And so to just slow up a little bit and start asking questions, like, is this, is this so, could it be another way? That's what paradox gives us is that questioning. Mm. I love, I don't know if you've ever studied Japanese cones, but they're, Uh. they're, you've heard, you know, what's the sound of one hand clapping? That's a Japanese cone. Okay. And it's just, again, these questions that just cause you to start to invert your thinking. And, and, and all of a sudden, you start to see that there's so many ways to view the world. And there's, there's so many possibilities. And so I love, I love the concept of looking at paradoxes. Oh. And I love divine paradoxes. I don't know where you're going to go with that, but I'm going to find out. All right. Excellent. I love that. Thank you. I'm looking forward, very much looking forward to hearing your insights as we go through this tonight. So thank you so much for sharing that. That's excellent. Any other thoughts? Okay. I'll tell you guys what I mean by divine paradox. So, um, so a paradox is an idea or a thing that contains or combines seemingly opposite features. And the reason that I'm calling the paradoxes that we're going to be talking about tonight divine is because they either come from commandments that we've been given or just spiritual principles that are good for everybody to be living. And yet they're opposite. So they're divine in that they lead to a higher truth and they're paradoxes because they're contradictory and yet both necessary. So it's, it's trying to find that balance and figuring out how to manage these things that feel so opposing and sometimes challenging. Um, and, and like Terry was saying, it does, it forces us to question and think and really, um, think deeply. So I'm excited to jump into this with you. Um, an example that I'm going to share first is when Christ said, he that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Um, this is a paradox because it doesn't seem to make sense. It seems contradictory that losing your life in losing your life, you'll find it. And yet both of those things are good things and we're being asked to do them. And I think we can probably all think of ways that, that, that we can see that playing out in our lives or lives of others, where there's people who have given up things and then found themselves through that process. Um, and I think that this, the whole concept of divine paradoxes is, is worth consideration because it allows us to be conscious of, of these poles and take intentional action to improve ourselves. And I think 
it can also allow us to be very, again, intentional in situations that challenge us and compassionate with others who are navigating paradoxes in their own lives. When we see and understand the difficulty that they can present, we can maybe give people a little bit more of a break. So one divine paradox that I would, I would define as a divine paradox that we hear a lot about today is diversity versus unity. As we spend time, and if we're willing to spend the time to consider each of these different perspectives, it can help us to understand the goodness in them and why they're necessary and help us to be better at knowing how we want to show up in conversations about it and incorporate both of them into our lives because they're both beautiful and from God, both diversity and unity. We need them both. And as we spend that time and give that consideration, we can see the complexity between them and again, have compassion for people who we may, we may be viewing as leaning too hard one way or the other. There, before we go on, I wanted to say there's a few other ways that we can talk about this that I've heard of recently. The day or two after I made the decision to have this be the topic of conversation tonight, uh, my aunt sent over a link to a YouTube video that she said she thought might be helpful in my coaching. And it was on exactly the same topic and had some really powerful insights that I was grateful to glean as I was preparing for this. This aunt that sent it to me is a psychiatric nurse and uh, she has years of experience helping people through mental and emotional challenges. And I really respect and love her insights. And she said that she often tells people that they need to get more comfortable holding opposites. I love the way that she phrased that. <laughs> holding opposites, I think, is a good way to think about divine paradoxes. And in that video that she sent over, the guy speaking, his name is Jared Halverson, and he talked about them as proving contraries and that each principle in a set of contraries are polar positives because they are, you know, both positive things and yet seem to be polar opposites. And I liked that phrase as well. So I'll be kind of using all of those as we go through tonight. So I'm just gonna start out by naming a few divine paradoxes that have come to my mind. So first one, abase yourself that you may be exalted. By small and simple things are great things brought to pass. Be anxiously engaged in a good cause, yet don't run faster than you have strength. Justice versus mercy, grace versus works law versus love and tolerance. So what do we do with these divine paradoxes? Each side is good. It's not good versus evil here. They're both good, <laughs> but taken too far, each can become problematic. For example, if we think about optimism versus realism, they seem to be pretty opposite and yet they're both good and necessary. Optimism brings light and hope and bright sides to things, but optimism taken too far can lead to naivety and ignoring heavy realities, whereas realism can allow for realistic goal setting and logical assessments of situations, and yet taken too far, it can go towards cynical, being cynical and limiting possibilities and progress. Another similar one is risk versus security. Again, both are good and positive and necessary for progress and growth, and yet they are opposite of each other and both can turn negative at their extremes. So what do we do with these opposing positive principles? We balance them. <laughs> and that may mean swinging back and forth or even hovering slightly to one side. <laughs> we need, but we do need to be engaging them both to some degree to prevent us from swinging so far that the positive becomes negative. So we need to get comfortable holding opposites. Jared Halverson in the video that my aunt said over um, talks about it as if we're on a teeter-totter. And I liked this analogy. It's like we have each of these polar positives on either side of the teeter-totter and we're in the middle trying to keep both off of the ground <laughs> and if we lean too far in either direction we get stuck in the extreme of that positive which is negative and to balance we have to engage our whole selves and we have to allow both sides to have their tension and pull on us i'm going to share something that i learned about balance in ot school that's occupational therapy school so to balance on one leg the muscles, different muscles throughout your entire body have to be engaged. Hold on, dad, were you going to say something? <laughs> it looked like you were going to say something. Well, I was just going to note for you that, that this is uh, a truth and a principle that's rooted in very ancient wisdom. You quoted from the savior, but, but, but this is uh, widely known across lots of cultures. Terry was noting the Tao Te Ching and the, the Zen koans from Japan, but 
You find it in Aristotle and the idea of the golden mean, where you're looking for a, a sound balance between different things. And that's where, you know, that's the sometimes called the sweet spot, right? You're just looking for the place where you're able to be thoughtfully aware of limitations and yet open and expansive enough to the possibilities that you can move forward with hope. Mm, I love so. that. Thank you, Papa. Um, yes, I, I love it. Add. So I can't remember how you said it. You said you, that man said you balance, you hold, you hold what? Um, so there's holding opposites, holding opposites. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's me. I love that because it isn't, it, it, there is the golden mean or the, the, the Buddhist middle, you know, path, uh, but there's also holding these two, you know, they appear to be diametrically opposed to each other and you hold them and you start to learn that they are both this is the weirdest thing. They're both true at the same time. Yes. So you know, confusing and, sometimes. and sometimes it's finding the middle ground, but sometimes it's realizing two things are, are they're true. They're both true at the same time. And, and, you know, we want our world to be so ordered and so yes. cut and dry and to hold opposites. That's, I love that. Oh yeah, I God. loved it too. <laughs> I love that. Yes, we can thank Aunt Linda for that. So thank you, Aunt Linda. <laughs> um, it is, it's so good. And you're right, we have, we have to acknowledge that both are true, both are good. And, and how do we, how do we hold them both? It's, it's, that is the challenge. <laughs> um, and what I was learning about balance in occupational therapy school was that in order to balance on one leg, muscles throughout your entire body have to be engaged and the ankle is making constant micro adjustments to maintain the position. So even when you're standing still and you look perfectly balanced on one leg, those adjustments are still happening. There's slight move movements happening back and forth, leaning to one side, catching, adjusting, it's always happening. And that's not the case for balancing inanimate objects. If you have an object on either side of a fulcrum, it can be placed in a position so that it's perfectly balanced and there's no movement that's not possible for a human. <laughs> a human balancing on one foot is always gonna be going back and forth a little bit. And it's a huge blessing that we have the capacity to waver back and forth because uneven ground or external forces on us require us to be able to adapt and correct to remain upright. And similarly, I think that complete stillness is not possible for a human balancing the opposing poles of polar positives we are going to be leaning too far and we have to adjust or the circumstances around us are going to require us that we lean further towards one principle or another. And that's just part of being human. And it's key to the human experience, I think. I don't think we're ever going to reach a stillness and perfect equilibrium in this life. And, and maybe, maybe God has reached that state of stability and, and perfect equilibrium, but maybe he's just mastered knowing how far to lean each way, depending on the situations. I don't know. I don't know how he works, but I know that I don't expect to be able to fully master it in this life. And either way, it's, it's good. Either way he is doing it. It's good for us to remember that we're in training and learning how it feels and how to do it and know that we will lean too far sometimes and that's okay and expected. And we don't need to shame ourselves when we find that we've pushed over to the negative of that positive. And when that happens, we just need to recognize it and consciously move back towards the middle if we've moved again to the point where that positive has become a negative. And again, we need to get comfortable with the discomfort that the constant tension brings. So I think it's also worth noting that our unique personality traits and innate tendencies will have us naturally leaning to one side or another of a lot of these divine paradoxes. For instance, my husband, Thane, and I approach life quite differently. He's very logical and analytical and reasoned, and I'm much more heart and emotion driven. So when it comes to the polar positives of head versus heart, he tends to lean one way and I tend to lean the other. And that's fine and normal and good but it's also good to be aware of and can give us insight into ourselves. And I think it's also part of why we need each other as humans so that we can help each other see what we might be missing because of our natural approach to life. And we can help each other with our personal balancing acts. 
Okay, Thane made a comment. I don't know when he made the comment. <laughs> he said, I think of providing discipline and friendship as a parent is a big one that I have to work on hard on embracing both at once. That's a really good one. I hadn't thought of that, but yes, <laughs> discipline and friendship as a parent. That's worth more consideration. Thanks, babe. Okay, so also these innate tendencies that we have make relationships challenging and beautiful at the same time. Thane and I almost didn't happen as a couple because we lean different ways in the divine paradox of being spontaneous versus scheduled. He asked me out a few times and I turned him down every time, but it wasn't because I didn't like him is because of the way he asked. His ask was usually something like, Hey, what are you doing in an hour? Want to go sailing? <laughs> and I had plans every single time. So he was all ready to stop asking me because he interpreted my nose as disinterest. Um, and he was not willing to pursue someone he thought was not interested in him. And fortunately for all of us, <laughs> my cousin encouraged me to ask him out, which I did. And so I get to claim credit for our first date, but that those opposing approaches to social activities still present challenges for us. He's shown his love by allowing himself to be dragged to many pre-scheduled events in our years of marriage. And I'm starting to make sure to schedule in unscheduled time in which he can do something spontaneous. <laughs> so it has to be reserved in order for it to be able to happen. So we're still teetering and tottering and a work in progress. Any comments? Does that bring up anything for anybody? <laughs> okay, we'll move on. So that teetering and tottering back and forth, again, it's not only okay, but it's good. That resistance and tension allows for growth and development. It's how muscles grow and it's how the pull of these polar positives strengthen our capabilities and expand our understanding. I think another body analogy is worth exploring. Um, in Jared Halverson's talk, he talks about teaching lessons in stereo. So teaching both sides of a polar positive, such as justice and mercy in the same class. And he is not aware of while he's teaching that he doesn't know which students need which lesson. And so he has to teach both. And that idea of lessons being in stereo sparked a thought for me. The reason that we like hearing things in stereo, which means it's coming from two different speakers, is that it adds richness and depth to sound. And the reason that that works is because we have two ears. My sweet mama has hearing loss in one ear, and that makes it so that she has a lot harder time localizing sound and figuring out where things are based on hearing it. And it's the same with vision. If you have only one eye working, your depth perception is greatly affected. It's a lot harder for you to be able to tell um, how far away things are in relation to each other. So having two perspectives offers depth and richness to life that's impossible with just one. And I think that's true for sensory information from our ears and eyes and for differing perspectives offered through divine paradoxes. So let's discuss some of these divine paradoxes in more detail. Again, I have a big list of them, but I put them all on sticky notes and stuck them on my wall. Maybe you saw the post that I put up recently, but I like, I felt like I was a cool murder mystery detective, like arranging things and realizing the connections and putting them up on the wall. Anyway, it was cool. And before I jump into my list, though, I'd love to hear any thoughts that you guys have had, any divine paradoxes that have come to your mind, like Thane sharing the friendship and discipline as a parent one, any other paradoxes that have come to mind or experiences that you've had that have been useful? And then also what have you found helpful in finding that balance? Okay. I'll share one. Oh. Oh, go ahead. Yay. Okay, go ahead, Jess. Um, it reminds me of a time when um, my, I got my 12-year-old daughter to get up and get ready to um, spend some time with her grandma. And she came out looking so daggy with like the shirt that she was wearing to bed like she didn't even get ready at all and and I'm like you 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 need a dress better than that grandma would appreciate that and she's like well the lord looketh on the the inward you know that the world looks on the outward appearance and the lord looketh on the heart like why big deal and so I was trying to um teach her I don't know. I, I realized that I really didn't know how to approach it because, you know, we're, we're meant to dress appropriately and, um, and groom ourselves, but then also, yeah, he does look on the heart. So yeah, that's, that's that mine. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. It is. It's hard to know like, okay, yeah. Where do we go between like social norms and, and stuff versus like what is really, you know, deeply 
meaningful and what really matters. That's excellent. Thank you. Terry, what were you going to say? Well, I think where paradox plays out practically for me is when I'm in relationship with other people and we see the world differently. Mm. So now the paradox isn't, you know, if you want to fly high, fly low, it's I'm seeing the world in a logical manner, like Thane does, versus I'm seeing it in a more of a heartfelt manner. And so to in those moments, I'm learning, I'm learning to instead of think, well, you know, we have two different ways of viewing the world to hold the opposite. Mm. Say, well, what, how do I see the world logically? And what, how would it help me? And how, what can I learn from maybe being a little bit more logical? I, you know, there's some areas I'll, I'll never learn to be spontaneous. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> I think I don't even get it. <laughs> you know? The paradox is too far. But, but it, I, I've, I've really learned. I, I have a lot of people in my life and they just, I mean, people who are my dear friends, but on certain issues, we see things so differently. And I used to kind of just go, well, they see it differently and wrong. <laughs> right. And we'll just agree to disagree and just move on. But now I say, I, I really do. I stop and say, what if I could embrace their perspective mm. for just a moment and look through their eyes and see the world a little differently? Will it help me? see the world in a, because it broadens you can't help but broaden your perspective if you think what if this the way they're presenting like you know maybe they're too I feel like they're too strict with their children instead I think what if they're not too strict with their children mm. what so if good. they're not <laughs> you know and can I hold that that feels perhaps wrong or or you know, something that would, I'd be uncomfortable with. Can I hold it for a moment? Mm. What if they're not? And what if I could learn something from them? I love that. I love that. Yes. There is so much to be, yeah, so much to learn and uh, that we allow ourselves to, how we allow ourselves to grow by being open. That is fantastic. And Thane said, I love that, Terry. I've seen a lot of growth trying to understand the opposite perspective. Yes, that is. I, again, this is how we grow. This is how we build our capacity to understand. And, and it adds, it does, it adds richness and depth to our lives. I think that we wouldn't have if we're just super closed off and being like, yeah, no, I'm right. And they're wrong. <laughs> it's just, okay, how, how can we both be right? Or how, how, what can I learn from their perspective that's different than mine? I love that. Thank you. Dad, it looked like you were going to say something before too. Yeah, I was actually just going to note that this balancing act that you've been talking about, the perspectives, they can change over time. So it's not, it's not just that different people have different perspectives. It's that we have different perspectives at different points in our life. And the, and the balance that we're striking will change as the demands in our life change. So there's a, there's a need for for self-awareness and, a, you know, it's, there are some principles that are timeless. There are some truths that are objectively real and you have to, you have to live according to them or you bump up against them in painful ways. So it's not like everything is just flexible and loosey-goosey all the time, but understanding how we navigate between different competing constraints uh, at different times in our life that's a that's an art form that hopefully we mature and get better at uh, as we as we grow and that's part of what growing is. One of our church leaders, Elder Bruce uh, Hafen, gave a beautiful talk on ambiguity, and this is ambiguity is another word for some of what we're talking about here, which is you don't always know an exact answer. You're not always certain of what exactly is happening. Uh, when you have these competing constraints. And so you do the best you can. And you look for some inspiration. You try to pray about it. You just try to grow into the principle of balance as you've been describing it. Mm, I love that. Thank you. Yes, the ambiguity thing is challenging sometimes. And that is another one of the things that I want to talk about some more too. Somebody, oh, Thane 
in the chat box thing expressed that even my emotional approach to life has value. So I'm glad he's willing to be open to that. <laughs> um, it reminds me too of this concept that I apparently didn't put in my notes, but meant to <laughs> about how our innate tendencies that are, you know, can be strengths for us. Again, when we push it too far can be our weaknesses. So really our weaknesses are often actually our strengths just kind of turned up too loud. And my example for that may be addressing, I have my friend Alicia um, asked about how these divine paradoxes relate to day-to-day -day life, which is a very good question. <laughs> and I think it's mostly just being aware of them and conscious of them will allow us to, again, be more intentional about how we approach things in our lives. But this particular example is a day-to-day -day example. I discovered that I am not great. My, one of my weaknesses is not being able to keep the house really tidy and making the kids do their chores. And there was a time when I was working full-time and Thane was the full-time parent and he ran a tight ship with beautiful routines and the children were busy doing their things all the time. He was so good at it. <laughs> and, and it was like so depressing for me in some ways. Cause I was like, wait a second, you're supposed to be not as good at this as I am. And you're like way better. And so I've, I've struggled over the years trying to be like, okay, it's okay that he's really good at running a household and maybe better in a lot of ways than I am. But I realized that, that this was, it was my strengths turned up too loud, which is why I was, I claim not being as good at that. And that's because again, I tend to go with more of the heart things. I, I value relationships over task accomplishment <laughs> and I am pretty laid back in general, which is, you know, a good thing, but maybe in some cases I could do to be a little bit less laid back <laughs> and more interested in results. So I think, again, there's value in recognizing that our weaknesses are perhaps actually strengths. And if we can recognize that and just realize, okay, it is a strength. I'm just a little too far this way. And how can I actively and intentionally move back the other way a little bit, um, that can be helpful. So I wanted to list off a few other of these divine paradoxes that I've thought about and that have been interesting to me. And again, if people have other ones that have come up for them or experiences and examples, I'm, I would love to hear them. So please, please share. But this one is one that I'm still grappling with and trying to understand. And it's the idea of ambition versus contentment. So like accepting things as they are versus pushing for change and knowing when, <laughs> when and how to go about doing that. I think there's a lot of value to loving what is and embracing things as they are and not beating ourselves with reality, <laughs> but there's also definitely time and place for fighting for change and standing up for ourselves or other people. There are times to act and there are times to accept and understanding that difference is one that I'm still working on. And I think that's, it's true as far as the, you know, accepting things are versus pushing for change. That's in the external world, as well as in our internal self, you know, embracing ourselves in our flawed humanity versus striving to become better and overcome our flaws. These are challenging things to figure out. I, yeah, this is, this is kind of another thing that I, I've struggled with comparing myself to people around me, particularly my husband, because I know him very well, but he's, I would say he's more on the ambition side of things. And I'm more on the contentment side of things, which has worked out great for us. Cause I'm happy to tag along with him on <laughs> doing the things that he wants to do. But there, there've been times when I've questioned, am I doing this wrong somehow? Because I like, I don't have these huge goals and driving things that I, I feel like I want to be in this place or doing this thing in particular, I'm much more happy to be perfectly happy being perfectly happy <laughs> in whatever situation versus, and whereas Thane, again, he has ideas for how to progress in his career and clear ideas of where he would love to live and what he would love to be doing. So that's a question for me. <laughs> and along these same lines, I also see people that on the internal side of things, 
lot of people struggle really hard with feelings of self-worth and they beat themselves up and, you know, recognize that again, this is, I think a strength turned negative, like recognizing that there's room to change and wanting to improve ourselves versus not allowing ourselves to see any of the good in us and thinking that we're bad because we have areas to improve on. Whereas I feel really lucky because I kind of, it's not for me. I don't know. I recognize this as a gift from above that I don't often struggle with that. I have had moments, but I don't usually struggle with self-worth, but sometimes I worry that I'm leaning too far to the I'm all good. It's okay. (laughs) I don't necessarily be like, okay, I need to, maybe I need to analyze more and, and recognize ways that I can improve and, and try to live more into who God wants me to be. So it's just, there's a lot (laughs) to this idea of the ambition versus contentment or accepting things as they are versus pushing for change. Any thoughts on that? I think that's a great example of helping the opposite because so Thich Nhat Hanh is a Buddhist monk and he, his works are very simple, but he was an activist who was also a monk. And so he held both of those acceptance Mm -hmm. and activism at the same time. And so what I feel like I learned from him is that they, those feel like they're opposites, right? But they're not actually acceptance in, and activism can you can have them at the same time. You can accept what, what it is, tell the truth about where you are, accept it, and yet be motivated to create change. In fact, I, I kind of feel like in some ways, what I kind of gather from his writing is acceptance is where you're strongest because you see more clearly. Mm, I so believe then, that. And then if you're in an activist at that point, you're not an activist where you are extreme. You're an activist who sees clearly, you know, what you're trying to achieve. It's not so much emotionally driven. The other thing is, is that I'm just not, I, you know, I'm not sure, is there a way to live life that's better than another? See, that's a, I don't know. That's, that's a really good point. That is an excellent point. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of a routine person. I like routines, but is that better than not having routines? I don't know. I mean, can a routine, a non-routine person learn from me? I think so. I teach classes on routines. Can I learn from a person who is, can go with the flow? I think that's a valid way. I think that's, that's valid. Yeah. You know? Yes. And so I think it's just, you want to have, you, you just want your life to work. that's so true working who cares (laughs) (laughs) I love it yes and that's why I'm glad you brought that up because that's why I feel like there's there are times where it's okay and good like these are you know these opposites here are positives right either way is good it's just that we want to make sure that we're not leaning so far that that you know that strength is becoming a weakness for us and if, if that is the case then recognizing how we can kind of come back a little bit but yes i, I think you're absolutely right like they are both good there's goodness in both ways of approaching things and perhaps questioning like is there a right way in most circumstances <laughs> i think that's well, not necessarily and I, true and i just want to say one other thing i think if you really are you know really swing to one side you know naturally then partner with someone who swings the other way i guess brilliant. (laughs) Yes. Amen. I I totally agree. We definitely need each other in helping us to get, to get there. That's awesome. Thank you. Alicia said, I think a big part of finding a balance with these paradoxes is just recognizing that it's simply a choice. How we choose to think about it is what matters for our own individual lives. For instance, being generous versus self-reliance are two things that might come into conflict. Are we being self-reliant or selfish? Do we need to give more, be more generous? Sorry, are we giving too much? How much is too much for us to have for ourselves to be self-reliant and safe for our future and our children's futures? It's all a choice. It comes down to what we feel good about. It's from our own thoughts and we get to decide. And I think that's an excellent, excellent point. Yeah. And and kind of to Terry's point, like there's, there is not really a right answer to a lot of these. and just being aware of them can be helpful. And, and again, in helping us to be intentional about it, just to give thought and consideration to these things. Another one of the divine paradoxes that has been on my mind lately is future focus versus being mindfully present. And again, I don't know that they're necessarily super in conflict, but it, it does seem kind of difficult to be thinking about the future as well as being in the present at the same time. And when we're making decisions, both big and small in life, it's very useful 
and important to have the future in mind, you know, wondering how will my future self feel about these things and decisions that I'm making? Will I thank myself for or not for the priorities that I'm setting and the ways I'm spending my time and energy? It is very valuable to be considering those things. And yet one of the keys to happiness is to be in the present moment. And mindfulness is all the rage these days. And for good reason, being present in this moment is a way to release the fear and anxiety about the past or the future. And it allows us to lean into things as they are and find peace in the moment. And I'm a big fan of mindfulness. It's funny, I work at a concussion clinic and I tell my patients there all the time, all the benefits of mindfulness and how they should totally do it. <laughs> then I have a really hard time making it happen myself, but I'm a believer because of hypnobirthing. I did hypnobirthing, which may sound really kind of hippie and weird, but it's basically relaxation and breathing techniques to help you um, relax during childbirth. And I found that I used it. I tried to use it with my first birth and I didn't, I hadn't practiced it. And so when I went in to actually have the baby, I immediately asked for the drugs and they gave them to me and it was fabulous. <laughs> but with my other kids, I went to a class and I practiced and I got really good. And, and this is why I know that it's, it works so well. Like mindfulness is powerful. I got really good at being able to bring myself into a relaxed state and like knowing which areas of my body to focus on, to breathe into and to relax and just allow, like it, I can go to sleep very quickly. <laughs> thanks to that even now. So I, I know that there are really incredible benefits to mindfulness practice, both within our hearts and our minds and just everything. It's just, it's good stuff. But anyway, <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of mindfulness and I recognize that it's really important, but I also really recognize that that future focus is really important and finding the balance is really important. My grandpa near the end of his life, and he's awesome, by the way, grandpa's so cool. But near the end of his life, he gave the single most important advice. And he said, it's to get your priorities straight and then apportion your time accordingly. And I loved that. If we can, again, you know, future focus, get, get our priorities straight. And then in the now, make sure that we're apportioning our time according to those priorities. That's, I think, the way to, to achieve that balance. And I really, I loved that thought. There's also the idea of flexibility versus stability. And this is one that I think is really interesting to consider. I remember again, in occupational therapy school, learning about the body, when we were learning about joints, they would tell us about how there's this trade-off between flexibility and stability. Some joints are very stable. They only move in one direction and they have a lot of muscles and tendons and ligaments holding them in place. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. And then there are some joints that allow for a lot of movement, but in order to achieve that, they're way less stable, uh, like our shoulders and our hips. They, they can move in a lot of different directions, but then they are not able to be nearly as stable and they have, they tend to have more problems. So there's, there's this trade-off <laughs> between flexibility and stability in joints. And we hear about this as well. Terry, you probably have good insight into <laughs> like other cultures ideas on this. I love what you're bringing into this discussion. Thank you. But this idea of being flexible, like a blade of grass versus strong and steady, like an oak tree. You know, when we, when we're facing problems in our lives, there are definitely times where it's best to just go with the flow, let it, let it go and, and be flexible with it. And there are definitely times where it's best to be firm and steadfast and, and knowing the difference um, and how to approach those things can be really beneficial for us. Any thoughts on any of those ones? I have a thought. Yay. I, um, you were talking about birthing and you said and then I practiced yes and and that is what I have learned so I do a lot with mindfulness and I I used to teach classes on listening when I worked at the University of Utah and one of the difficulties to listening is being mindful mm. it's just being present and giving your attention to that person and it was hard to communicate this that in the moment, there's studies that show in the moment when you're stressed or now you've, you're in a conversation, you've got to listen. You can't do it if you haven't practiced. <laughs> you can't do it. You are not going to become mindful when you're in labor. Yes. <laughs> you're if not, you haven't practiced. <laughs> it's <yeah>. true. <laughs> and, and so, uh, you know, the combination of being flexible and being stable, I think a lot of that, again, I have to... I have to look to other people to guide me a lot of times because 
if it doesn't come naturally to me, it's hard for me to see it mm. or even believe it sometimes. And so I need to have a different perspective, but I also need to practice so that I can do both of those things. Mm, I and love I, that. I can't practice in the moment. I have to, I have to, it has to be, it's like you said that Hafen said, or no, your grandfather said, mm-hmm. figure out what's important and then align your priorities, right? Yeah. I think I would say figure out what's important and then practice those things. Yes. You know, oh, I love that. In the moment, you're not going to be able to do it. <laughs> if it's important to you, then you've got to practice. Yes, that's so true. Thank you. I love that. And that was, that's often, I, I would share that experience with hypnobirthing again with my clients at Cognitive FX because I I wanted to show them like, you have to do it on a regular basis to get good at it. So that in those moments, when you need it, you've got it. <laughs> and that is it. The practice makes all the difference. And, and yeah, like you said, I think with grandpa's quote, like if we figure out what those priorities are and then practice every day, apportioning our time, according to those priorities, we're going to get really good at focusing on the things that matter most to us. That's excellent. Thank you for those points. Any other thoughts that have come up? I had a thought, Beth. Yeah. Hey, um, okay. So something that I, in terms of being mindful and having a future focus, something I got really good at on my mission that I haven't really been good at since was planning and organizing my time. You, you know, you have a set time during the week when you look at your week and you plan it out each hour so that then you go through your week and you know what you're doing and, and you get through those tasks that you need to complete. And I feel like that's a way to have a future focus and still be mindful in the moment is if you take the time, which I don't, but I should, <laughs> to plan out your day, you're, you're having that future focus, you're planning out your day, your week, your month, and that so that you're hitting those things you need to hit. And so you don't have to worry about the future because you know you already have it planned out. And mm-hmm. so you can be mindful in the moment, you can be present without having to worry about, oh, what's going to happen next because you already... Or am I going to get everything done because you've already scheduled it in, you know, you're going to get it done. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Thank you for bringing that up. It's funny because I don't, I don't know if you were here at the beginning when I was talking about Thane being much more spontaneous than I am. And I like to be much more scheduled, but it's just so funny to me that even though that's the case, Thane is also, (laughs) I feel like a lot better than me at prioritizing his time, making sure that the things that are most important are getting done. And there's a lot to be learning from each other in that and, and from ourselves in the past and with other experiences, right? It, it all, it's a continual process (laughs) of learning and growth. That's excellent. Thank you. Okay. I just want to recognize a couple more of these, and then I'll probably list out the other ones that I had on my list of paradoxes that have come to mind. So acknowledging the hard versus acknowledging the big picture. And again, this is kind of going into some of my personal beliefs as to purpose of life kind of things. But I think it's really important that we process emotions and recognize when things are really hard for us and not try to be in denial about them. But I also think there's there's a place for pulling our vision higher and seeing that all things can be consecrated for our good. You know, there is good and the bad and bad and the good. There's, there's a combination here that helps us to become who we need to be and recognizing that in addition to acknowledging when we're having a really hard time. <laughs> and again, that's something to hold those opposites and figure out maybe when is appropriate and best for us to focus on those different things. Another aspect of the head versus heart debate is kind of faith and questioning of faith because there is 100% a case for both. (laughs) There's a case for reasoning and logic and questioning and being curious and recognizing that we don't understand everything. And I think that God recognizes that and asks us to do that. He, He wants us to bring questions to him and says, ask and ye shall receive, knock and it shall be opened unto you, seek and ye shall find. So it's good to have questions and be curious, but there's also a case for faith where we recognize that we're not going to understand everything in our lifetimes and some things we need to take on belief. And whether that's religious belief or not, just believing in ourselves, believing that we're going to be able to accomplish the things that we need to, even though we don't see it. And I think it's helpful to recognize that we're not going to understand everything in our lifetime. And that's the same with science. It's an iterative process to gain understanding and our understanding as far as science goes, biology, astronomy, technology, all of these things keep growing and developing and becoming greater. And we can't really ever say that we know anything for sure. (laughs) So it's kind of like, we can't prove or disprove God. And I think that he did that on purpose. 
there's reasons to choose faith and there's reasons to question the things that we believe. And, and kind of like Terry was saying earlier, there's reason to say, okay, this is not how I see it. You're seeing it this way. What can I learn from you? And, and how can I grow and expand my understanding by acknowledging both? Any thoughts on any of that? Um, I've, I've struggled with that. There's the, um, in first Nephi chapter eight, you know, when it's talking about the tree of life and how they're going on following the holding onto the rod of iron. Um, and towards the end, it talks about the great and spacious building and how they say, but we heeded them not, you know, and it was, and so in many ways in our, like we've read, I've read that and thought, okay, so I'm not supposed to listen, you know, I'm not supposed to open um, my mind to some of those um, viewpoints of the world that I don't get from the scriptures or I don't get from general conference or from church, but just trying to, um, then there's that, you know, when we as missionaries go and um, knocking on people's doors, we act, we really need them in order for them to come to accept what we're sharing we need them to be open-minded to the you know the idea that God and Jesus Christ came and spoke with a boy 14 year old boy not too long ago like that's really hard to you know you really have to have an open mind to, so it's like we I have internalized that okay I want everyone else to be open-minded but then at the same time I have to be I, I can't heed them so just coming trying to figure out that that balance. I don't know. Yeah. That's such an excellent point. It looks like dad has a comment here. Do you have a response yeah. to that? Scriptural point is uh, one that is sometimes not fully understood because the, the passage, as I recall it, is uh, in the context of Nephi noting that the people in the great and spacious building are pointing and mocking. And the heeding not advice is you don't you don't listen to people who are mocking your basic faith, who are making light of of certain sacred foundational principles. It's not that you close your mind to other people's reasoning or to other people's polite questioning or your own polite questioning of things that are going on, but that you don't waste your energy and you're not driven away from the light and the sweetness of the gospel by people who will just make light of it and mock of it and try to treat you like you're a fool because you are a person of faith. And there are plenty of, there's ample evidence that that kind of mocking goes on in the world today, just like it did a couple thousand plus years ago when Nephi had his vision. So I don't think you have to worry, Sister Pearson, about uh, that the gospel teaches us to be closed-minded because it, it doesn't. Brigham Young said something to the effect of the gospel of Jesus Christ embraces all truth. So we should be open to searching for it wherever we can find it. And lots of it is going to come from outside the church and outside church members. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. That's very liberating, right? <laughs> it is. Yes. And I think, yeah, that was really well said. Thank you. I've had similar thoughts and, and questions to Jazz, wondering about, okay, how do we balance that as well? So I'm I'm with you on that. But I but I also think that's an example of holding opposites. You know, I mean, I think we do that our whole life, trying to find that you know the golden mean or trying to find that balance. What do we listen to? What don't we listen to? Yes. You know, and 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 I think that just the question is an excellent question. You know, I want to be open-minded and I want to be safe. I want to have both of those things. And I and I don't want to spend my whole life searching, but I want to search. <laughs> yes. You know? Yes. And so there's this, it's this very kind of interesting um trying to and and I think the search the holding the question holding the opposites is it's about me learning to hear my own voice and it's about me learning to find my own wisdom and to start to trust that and that I will recognize as I grow and mature I will recognize oh, I don't need to listen to this <laughs> you know yes and oh you know what this opposite is something that offers me something. This opposite I've learned now through the years, it's something I can let go. I don't have to, I don't have to pull that into my life. 
you know, and, but that's, a, it's a, it's a little bit of a dance. It's a little bit of am I a shoulder right now or am I an elbow? You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. <laughs> am I a shoulder and elbow? That's good. Thank you. I love that perspective as well. Thank you so much. As I was like, I, like you jazz, I've, I've wondered about these things and, and kind of like Terry just described, I came to peace with it when I decided that I was going to, I told, I had this debate and maybe I'll share this on another call sometime or, or do this, but I, I, I went back and forth. I was debating about things and questioning things and wondering and had a few different conversations with people who were really helpful and beneficial in um, helping me to come to peace with the, the debate that I was having as far as like what to open my mind to, like how, how to do this. And what I came to for myself was I was, I told God, <laughs> I was like, here's how I'm going to deal with this. I'm willing and open to whatever you want me to learn. I'm willing to go there. I don't, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of anything that's out there. I want to learn, but I also want to focus my heart and mind on the things that I know bring me light and peace. And I know that certain things do, and I have experienced that certain things don't. And I, I want to fill my life with that. And so I'm going to spend my energy and time on those things. And if you want me to explore other things, I will hundred percent do it. You just let me know. And I trust that you'll guide me through that process. And one of the conversations that I had with somebody who is actually my trainer from my mission, she talked about unpacking her faith and then repacking it. And it's this idea of being open and and recognizing that things are going to be maybe not the way that we always believed them to be in the past, but we can unpack it and examine it and choose again, depending on where we're at in our lives and the new understanding that we've had, how to repack it so that it makes sense to us and feels right to us in relation to our relation to God. Those are just some thoughts that I've had on, on that topic particularly. Okay. So I'm just going to list a few more of these divine paradoxes that I've thought of and come up with. And there's a bunch of them. So I'm just going to like read them to you and you can consider them. And then if any of them spark anything for you, please let me know. I'd love to hear stories and thoughts on that. So generalization versus specialization, variety versus consistency, just goes along with spontaneity versus routines, individual versus community turning the other cheek versus standing up for yourself, confidence versus humility. Again, that future focus versus being mindfully present, hard work versus rest and relaxation, letting go versus holding tight, being extroverted versus introverted, content versus presentation, which is kind of the same as like form or aesthetic versus function or utility, fresh eyes versus years of experience, courage versus caution, quick decisions and action versus well thought out planning, all of those and, and more. <laughs> They've just like, as I've been thinking about it, they just, they keep coming, they're everywhere. So I hope that this has given you ample food for thought and really love and appreciate the comments that have been made in the discussion that's been had. And I recommend continuing to think about these divine paradoxes and try to find more of them. They really are everywhere. And I believe that they're worthy of consideration. And again, as we get familiar with ourselves and where we fall on the spectrum of these, we can decide whether it's serving us or not. And if we are well balanced, meaning that, you know, even if we're slightly leaning to one side or another, if it's balanced and blessing those around us and ourselves, then that's perfect. And if not, having the awareness of it is the best place to start in improving ourselves and maybe shifting back the other direction a little bit. So Thank you again for your time. I love you all. And I'm so grateful that you joined us again. If you want to be coached, you can jump on my coaching waitlist or hire me or whatever. Check out my website. It's the www.lifeinspiredcoach.com. And I just really love all of you and appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you. And thank you so much for the discussion. This was so good. <laughs> I learned a lot from all of you. So thank you again. And I will see you all later.